0: This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7, The Word.
1: Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well on this Monday afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm a local pastor right here in the heart of the city, and this is a local show. We're focused in on Colorado Springs in Southern Colorado. So thanks so much uh, for joining me. Crosswalk Colorado Springs has a few different formats. A lot of times we open up the airwaves for your questions and prayer requests. Oftentimes we've got some wonderful guests that come in. And then there's days like today where I share with you some things that God's been speaking to uh, my heart. And today I want to focus on uh, the seven sayings of Christ uh, from the cross, When Christ was crucified. There were seven things that he said when he was crucified. And I think we want to pay special attention uh, to each of those uh, sayings. Picture with me for a moment Jesus on the cross, his hands nailed and his feet nailed. And with crucifixion, you would die by suffocation. And with each breath, he'd have to push up on his feet, pull up on his arms to get air in his lungs. So, each of these sayings would be very difficult physically for him to, to utter. These are the last things that Christ said just before he died upon uh, the cross. A couple of quotes about the cross. This is C.S. Lewis. It says, it costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. So didn't seem to cost anything. From God when He created uh, the world. Obviously powerful, obviously stunning, but it cost God His Son to convert my rebellious will. This is John Stott. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. And that's really powerful as well. To think that, well, why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross to die uh, for my sins. What won my heart uh, to Jesus is the cross of Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, went to church whenever the doors of the church were open, went to Christian school, but my heart really grew hard uh, towards Christ, unfortunately. And it was this understanding that God loved me when I didn't want to have anything to do with him that really changed my heart and changed uh, my mind. And I want you to be encouraged and be reminded of just how much God loves you as we look at these seven sayings uh, from uh, the cross. So we're going to pick up in Luke's gospel. As Luke records the, the crucifixion uh, of Christ, there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. So Jesus is crucified right next to two uh, criminals and this is a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, that Jesus would be numbered with the transgressors. Verse 33, and when they'd come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. The word Calvary literally means place of the school. The church where I pastor is called Rocky Mountain Calvary. And the reason that we've chosen the name Calvary is because we want to remember the sacrifice of Christ, never move away from what Christ has uh, done uh, for us. So here's Christ at the place of the skull being crucified. Why is it called place of the skull? We don't know for sure, but it could very well be that this is where the Romans did execution by crucifixion. So it got its name as being the place of death, the the place of uh, the skull. Some also speculate that just outside of the ancient city of Jerusalem, there's a, a hill with a, a rock face that the way the rock looks is like a skull. And that could be the place where Jesus was crucified. And they, they crucified him. They, they nailed him to the cross. They nailed his feet next to the criminals, one on his right and his left. Luke doesn't go into the physical realities of the cross His original readers of the Gospel of Luke were well familiar uh, with the cross, but for us, we're not familiar with crucifixion. Think more of of tent stakes that are put through the wrists of of Christ, where he would be pinned to the cross and a tent stake going through his, his feet. Remember what Christ has already gone through up to this point. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed all night long to the point where he sweat blood. He was taken to Caiaphas, the the high priest, and they put a blindfold over Jesus and began to hit him in the face and mock him. He was spit upon, his his beard was ripped out, he he was whipped. The Roman soldiers whipped him and they were the masters of torture. We know historically the Romans used a a whip called a flagellum and it had nine leather straps that they would tie in metal and bone and rip Jesus' back down to the very bone ripping away its flesh, even reaching to his abdomen and his his rib cage. And he's nailed. He's nailed to the cross for you, for me. And this brings us to the first saying of Christ. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Jesus extends forgiveness to those that are crucifying him. We know it's the chief priests. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees that really were behind the death of Jesus. Pilate gives the sentence. These soldiers are carrying out their order. They're doing their job to crucify Jesus. And they've probably crucified several people. Hard to know how many they've crucified. There's something different about Jesus. Jesus looks at them and he prays for their forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not uh, what they do. Jesus could have easily said, Father, get them, for they know exactly what they do. Jesus instructed us on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to bless those that persecute us and to pray for those that spitefully use us. And Jesus is fulfilling his teaching here. Forgiveness really does flow from the cross. Forgiveness for these soldiers, but forgiveness for you and for me. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Throughout the Old Testament, you have these animal sacrifices that would cover sin, but Jesus takes away our sin. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you're forgiven. He has forgiven you because of our faith in his sacrifice upon the cross. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're driving down the road, you're listening to this podcast, as you trust what Christ has done for you, his death, his burial, his his resurrection, then you receive forgiveness. That weight of sin is lifted off of our shoulders. Romans four, verse seven says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And that's very true. That word blessed means, oh, how happy. It's what David experienced when he committed adultery and murder. There was no atonement for adultery and murder in the law. You were to be stoned to death for committing murder and adultery, but yet God forgave him. And that weight of sin, when I came to know Christ as my Savior, to experience that weight of my sin lifted off of my shoulders. As a believer, when I, I sin and I go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and receive his forgiveness, there's, there's nothing like God lifting that weight of sin off do we identify and know that we're forgiven? At the cross, we receive forgiveness, but we're also able to extend forgiveness. Maybe there's someone today as you're listening that you, like Jesus, can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen was the first person martyred in the early church in the book of Acts, and he was being stoned to death he uttered something very similar. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus has freely forgiven you. He's freely forgiven me. And so for us to extend that forgiveness uh, to others. Thanks for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Today, we're taking a journey looking at the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. The first, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've got much more to come, so stay with me after the break on 100.7, The Word.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope your drive home is going well. I'm a local pastor from Rocky Mountain Calvary right at Austin Bluffs and Academy, and this is a local show privilege to host Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thankful for 100.7 and the opportunity to serve and minister to the community. I hope that you enjoy uh, the show. Today we're really looking and meditating on the cross of Jesus, what he did for us, and specifically seven sayings, seven things that he said from the cross. Do you know when Jesus was being crucified that there was seven statements that he made which I think are are very meaningful and impactful. The first was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is Luke 23, verse 35, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The second statement, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is amazing what is unfolding here with these two criminals that are being crucified next uh, to Jesus. We know from Mark's gospel, Mark 15, that both of them started off mocking Jesus. But as we see from Luke's gospel, is one of the criminals changes his mind. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus allows us to change our mind about him? I once maybe even made fun of Jesus or blasphemed Jesus. Maybe you're listening and you're like, I've rejected Jesus. God allows us to change our hearts and change our minds when it comes uh, to Christ. And so one of these criminals starts to understand his own guilt. And this is an important part of becoming saved is realizing that we're a sinner. He says, we have received justly for what we've done. We, We deserve this cross. We deserve a condemnation, but then of Jesus that he has done nothing wrong. So God's doing a work in this criminal's heart and mind. When I came to know Christ as my Savior, I became aware of my sin in a unique way. But at that same moment, I became aware of how much God, God loves me. He chooses to turn to Jesus and he asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into to his kingdom. And he says, Lord, and this is also a very important part of salvation is acknowledging that Jesus is Lord, inviting him to be Lord of our lives. Well, what does that mean? Lord is to submit the control of our lives to the Lord, to allow him to have the throne of our hearts and our lives, realizing I've made a mess of me and I want Christ to take control of me. He also believes that this isn't going to be the last for Jesus, that Jesus is going to be entering into his kingdom. And he wants to enter into that kingdom as well. So not bad theology uh, for a criminal. And then amazingly, Jesus says, assuredly, truly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. This is absolute grace. This man has lived a sinful life. He's lived a life of rejecting Christ, a life of being brutal uh, towards others. But in this moment on his deathbed, if you would, on this cross, he chooses to ask for grace and mercy and God gives it to him. Now, notice that this man never had the opportunity to be baptized. Jesus didn't say, "Hey, this is kind of problematic. Uh, I'd like for you to be saved, but you need to get down off the cross and get baptized or take a new believer's class or you've never served at your church, you've never done your annual tour in in children's ministry. None of those things at all. It was a free gift of salvation. so this is an absolute statement that grace is provision for salvation that salvation is a free gift through Jesus Christ that salvation is something that God gives to us not something that we earn or deserve on our own my great grandmother she lived to be 101 years old can you can you imagine being 101 years old i don't know if i'd want to live that long when she was 99 she came to know Christ as her savior 99 years old god was patient with her so long suffering he knew that that stubborn heart would need 99 years before she received christ her savior the sacrifice of christ is so sufficient and magnificent that a person could wait to trust christ until their deathbed and christ would forgive them and welcome them in the kingdom but why would you want to wait that long because you don't always have that opportunity uh, We're not all going to sit on a deathbed and be able to reflect on Christ in our lives. So today, right now, is the moment to respond to salvation and say, Jesus saved me. But if you've got any questions, if salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone, this this answers that question. Well, the next statement of Christ on the cross comes from John 19, verse 26 and 27 where Jesus looks and sees John, but he also sees his mom, Mary. And he says, woman, behold your son and behold your mother. He must have seen the hurt of his mom. Can you imagine what it would be like for Mary to witness her son being crucified? I can't imagine that. And she sees; he also sees John and he links them up at the cross. I would imagine that John cared for Mary in such a tremendous way because they were linked together at this moment of the cross. The ultimate family tree is the cross. We're linked by the blood of Jesus. The greatest relationships are formed at the cross. Maybe some of you have experienced that, where you even have some closer relationships inside of the body of Christ than you do with biological family. And that's because. You share this bond of the blood of Jesus. As families, I think the greatest thing that we can do to strengthen our families is to focus on the sacrifice of Christ and share the blood of Jesus in common. Married couples, if you're believers, then you share in common the blood of Jesus Christ. You're both heirs of the kingdom. You're in the new covenant of God's grace, and that's really what binds you together more than anything else. And For us to share this in common with our children, like, what really binds us together with our kids is hopefully that they know Christ as our Savior and this appreciation for the blood of Jesus. So, so far, what we have we seen in these seven sayings of Christ on the cross that the first is Jesus amazingly offers forgiveness, says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Then he offers uh, forgiveness to the criminal who cries out for mercy. Truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise, this free gift of salvation that he didn't earn, that he didn't deserve. And then the third statement of Christ, of woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother, that they were bound together at the cross, that they became mom and son because Jesus had linked them together. So talk about Jesus in your families, pray together, take communion together. That's one of my favorite things is to get my family together and be able to take communion, you know, to take communion with my wife and remember the broken body of Christ and the shed blood uh, of Christ. That's really what uh, links us uh, together. Thanks for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Where are we headed? We're going to look at the last four statements of Christ on, on the cross the next one we're going to look at after the break is my God my God why have you forsaken me I can't think of a better thing to focus on than Jesus Christ and him crucified so don't go away Thanks so much to for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs 100.7 The Word
0: This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you're doing well. Your drive home is going well. Today we're focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ and specifically the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. Each breath, such a struggle, such a difficulty. I think we should stop and really pay attention to these sayings. So the first one, is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The second is, Assuredly, I say, today you will be with me in paradise. The third woman, behold your son, behold your mother, God linking together John the disciple and Mary his mother. Now this fourth saying of Jesus on the cross is recorded for us in Matthew 27, verse 46, and then Mark chapter 15. He cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We oftentimes think of the physical suffering of Christ uh, upon the cross, which is so immense. I think we don't fully grasp it at all, but there was more that was taking place than the physical. There was the spiritual reality where Jesus was being punished for our sins. And the Bible calls it propitiation, uh, it's a, it's a big bible word but it means to appease the wrath of and propitiation is used 3 times in the new testament romans 3:25 says whom god set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance god has passed over the sins that were previously committed so propitiation by his blood by the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus appeased the wrath of the Father. Also, 1 John 2 2 says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. In 1 John 4, verse 10, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, in this moment in time, Jesus takes the punishment for our sins, and one of the punishments for sin is being broken in fellowship from the Father. Our sin separates us from from God, and Jesus took that upon himself and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the agony that's upon Jesus, but also the agony that's on the Father to hear Jesus call out in this way. But this is why we have assurance of forgiveness is because Jesus did take the wrath for our sins so that we could experience uh, forgiveness. Jesus promised us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you might be wondering, well, what's behind that promise? Can I really uh, trust that that promise? And the answer is yes, absolutely, because Christ was forsaken so that we would never uh, be uh, forsaken. So, We also know uh, from the gospel accounts, from the gospel narratives, that it was dark from noon uh, until three, just absolute darkness. Jesus is facing this hour of darkness where he is being punished uh, for our, our sins. The fifth saying of Christ from the cross comes from John 19 verse 28, and it's, I thirst, and it would make sense that it would come right after Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and there's the physical aspects to this where jesus would be dehydrated he'd be suffering he physically a thirst but this is much more he's longing for fellowship uh, with the father longing for what he's been separated from uh, from the father and he thirsts and and maybe you're experiencing thirst in your soul where your your soul is tired it's wor it's wor- weary, it's wore out, and to know and to understand uh, that Jesus, he thirsted as well, and he longed to be in the presence of his Father. You know, I think of the psalmist that cries out that I'm in a dry and thirsty land and expresses that thirst of the soul. That's similar to what Jesus is experiencing. Psalm 63 verse 1, it says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So I think this is what Jesus is really expressing here is he is declaring this thirst in his soul for presence with the Father, fellowship with the Father you may be wrestling with, man, am I loved by God? Does my life have value? Does it have meaning? Does it have importance? And the answer is absolutely yes, that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. God loves me. And he's proven it by giving his son. And these sayings of Christ on the cross really reveal uh, the heart of God. Uh, He offered forgiveness to the soldiers. Father, forgive them for they know not uh, what they do. And then giving forgiveness to one of the criminals and saying, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Two men, two criminals, two very different responses to the work of, of Jesus Christ and then for jesus to take the time to care for his mom for for mary here mary is watching her son be crucified he sees john the disciple and he links them up together at the cross they're forever linked and the true bond is really found at the cross and then for jesus to cry out i thirst the sixth statement is in john 19:30 and it speaks of completion jesus cried out It is finished. And I like the quote here from Max Lucado from his book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior. It says, It is finished. What was finished? The history-long plan of redeeming man was finished. The message of God to man was finished. The works done by Jesus as a man on earth were finished. The task of selecting and training ambassadors was finished. The job was finished. The song had been sung. The blood had been poured. The sacrifice had been made. The sting of death has been removed. It was over. A cry of defeat, hardly. Had his hands not been fastened down, I dare say that a triumph fist would have punched the dark sky. No, this is no cry of despair. It's a cry of completion, a cry of victory, a cry of fulfillment. Yes, even a cry of relief. The fighter remained, and thank God that he did. It is finished. This means paid in full, paid in full. I remember my wife and I, uh, we worked several years to pay off some student loans, and we made the last payment and got those taken care of, and we received a receipt, an invoice that said paid in full. And Jesus has accomplished redemption, and he has paid the price for sin in full. So we're in a position where we're able to rest, rest in that finished work of the cross and what he has done for us. We know from the gospel that this point, the veil of the temple was torn too. The veil was to keep people out of God's presence. But because of what Jesus has done, the veil has been torn and we're invited into the presence of God one man one day a year was welcomed into uh, the presence of god think about that just the high priest on one day the day of atonement could come into god's presence but now we're welcomed into a god's presence only because it is finished only because what christ has done uh, for us in hebrews chapter 4 we're told to come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may find grace and help in time of need are you taking advantage of that access to the throne room of grace? Are you coming before the Lord? What's going on in your life this afternoon? So thanks for joining me. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier on 100.7 The Word. We're looking at the seven stains of Christ. We've looked at six. We've, We've got one more to look at, and then we'll be talking more about how the cross of Jesus Christ uh, is applied to our lives. So stay with me. We'll be right back.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well, that you know that the Lord is with you, that he loves you. I'm a local pastor here at the central part of the city, awesome Bluffs and Academy. And this is a local show. We're focused on Colorado Springs and Southern Colorado. So hope you're doing well uh, for sure. Today, focusing on the seven sayings of Christ upon the cross. Maybe you've had a final conversation with a loved one or a friend, had that opportunity to say goodbye uh, for the last time. And Jesus is hanging on the cross. These are his last words, his final Words He utters, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He utters, Mom, behold your son. Son, behold your mom. Assuredly today uh, you'll be with me in paradise. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished, this declaration of of victory. As he cries out, it is finished. The the veil of the temple uh, is tore in two. This is Luke chapter 26. Three, It says the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And this is hugely significant that when Christ uttered those words, it is finished, that God is communicating that we have access into his uh, presence. Whatever's going on in your life right now, if you're driving in the car, you're home for the day already at work, we can enter into uh, God's presence. Uh, hear these words, Hebrews 4 Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice the attitude in which we come to God's throne is boldly, confidently because of the blood of Jesus, because the work is finished to the throne room of grace. Aren't you glad that God's throne is one of grace of unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor? He pours out Grace in our lives that we don't deserve, that we could obtain mercy that's not getting the judgment we deserve and find grace to help in time of need. I think a lot of times we believe grace ends in our lives the moment that we're saved, but God continues to pour out grace grace for trial, grace for difficulty, grace for wisdom. And do we have needs in our lives? I know that I do to come to God's throne room to, to find grace. Hebrews 10 touches on as well, the veil being torn. Hebrews 10 verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So because of the blood of Jesus, because that his flesh has opened up the veil. Yes, the the veil was torn in the temple in Jerusalem. And by the way, what a shock that would have been for the chief priests. They're the ones that orchestrated the death of Jesus. The temple is where they spend most of their time. And then all of a sudden Christ dies and the veil of the temple is torn in two. But God is saying that the veil has been opened in heaven and we're able to come with a true heart and full assurance of faith, knowing that our hearts, our evil conscience, our our bodies have been cleansed. I want you to hear me on this. Because the veil has been torn in two, don't sew up the veil. What do I mean by that? Is to start to think that it takes works for us to be able to come into God's presence. Well, if I read my Bible then god's going to hear me or if i tithe then god is is going to to hear me or if i don't lose my temper then god is going to hear me based on the blood of jesus christ we're welcomed into the presence of god so we come into the fourth and final or excuse me the seventh and final statement of christ in luke verse 46 chapter 23 and when jesus had cried out with a loud voice he said father Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So he cries out with with a loud voice, a, a voice of victory, not a voice of defeat. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Jesus submits himself to the Father. And what's so cool about this is this is the way that Christ has been living his life, was in submission to the Father. Remember when Jesus was 12? And Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. I mean, man, talk about pressure. I wonder what the prayer of Joseph was like that day. Father, um, we lost your son. When they find Jesus, when they begin to ask Jesus questions, grill him if you would. Jesus says, I was about my father's business. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will uh, be done. So Jesus lived his life in submission to the Father. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will uh, be done. So the way Jesus dies is the way that he lived his life, and he breathed his last, and having breathed his last, he died. Now notice the response of the centurion. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, truly, this was a righteous man. In Matthew's gospel, it tells us that the centurion said truly this was the Son of God. This is not a a likely source for declaring that Jesus was the Son of God. The centurion had seen lots of people be crucified. The centurion was the officer over the the soldiers, but there's something different about Jesus. He hadn't heard Jesus preach, he hadn't seen Jesus' miracles, but he watched him die. And he watched him give grace, grace to those that were crucifying him, grace to this criminal, crying out uh, to the Father. And he realizes there's something special about Jesus. He's the Son of God. So what does this uh, accomplish in our lives? I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is this, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose again the third day, as was prophesied in the scriptures. What the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus accomplishes in our lives is salvation. Jesus saves man, it would be wrong for me to not give you the opportunity right now to receive Christ as your Savior. As you think about Christ and why he died, he died for you, he died for me. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. I know I'm a Bible scholar, but all means all. That means you've fallen short, I've fallen short. I think if we're honest, it's pretty easy to acknowledge that, Our sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Jesus is the answer to our sin. We are great sinners, but he is a great savior. So will you turn from your sin today? The Bible calls it repentance. It's a change of mind, a change of direction And just like this criminal that cried out for mercy, would you cry out for mercy? Lord, would you save me? Would you forgive me? I believe you died for me and rose again, and I invite you to be the Lord of my life. If you'll make that decision, you cry out right now and pray that prayer, Jesus is going to grant to you eternal life. He's going to start changing your life from the inside out. If you've decided to receive Christ as your Savior, would you let somebody know? Would you reach out to a believer? If you don't know any believers, reach out to me. Eric Cartier at Rocky Mountain Calvary. I would love to hear from you. And for believers, man, may we re- be reminded of how much God loves us, that He would give His Son, His only begotten Son. I value and treasure each one of my four kids. They're, they're amazing to me, so blessed to be their dad. And I wouldn't lay down their life for anybody else's life, but yet God sent His Son, His beloved Son, so that I could be saved, so that I could be the child of God so don't doubt God's love uh, in your life look at the cross and know that you're loved thanks so much for joining me I hope that you have a great night thanks for listening to crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 the word until next time have a great night and treasures never then you came